Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. Now back to On the Block with Strick and Austin on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. No Strick today. I am Austin joined by Bach. Sitting over there to my left, to the right, if you're watching the stream. We have our first entrant. Brock is in with four entries. He did buy Bach a coffee and cream ale here from the mill. Bach takes his first sip live on air. Your thoughts? Very smooth. Very good. Very, very good. Uh, They're not wrong. Cold brew cream ale. If you could just imagine what that tastes like, that's what it tastes like. It's it's very smooth and very good. I like the hints of... uh, Almost chocolate or something in there. Right. That, that, yeah, that kind of chocolatey coffee kind of vibe. Super smooth. Goes down oh, without yeah. a second thought. It is very good. Big shout out to our friends at the mill. Their locations that are serving this are here at 1040 O Street, as well as the Telegraph District and Innovation Campus. Let's go to our uh, VIP line brought to you by Allo Fiber, where they understand the importance of exceptional service with local heart. And welcome in our man in ACC country, Mr. Andrew Alex. Andrew, are you a coffee guy, a beer guy, neither or both? Coffee or beer, neither or both. Definitely both. <laughs> is it 5 a.m. or 5 p.m.? <laughs> Fair enough. Well, Bach over here is just trying a combination of coffee and beer concoction from our friends here at the mill. So if you are both a coffee and a beer guy and you're ever in the Lincoln area, feel free to stop by the ticket. I'll buy you one. How's that sound? Hey, next time I'm in Lincoln, we'll make it happen, dude. Perfect. You were not in Lincoln. You were in Charlotte for the ACC championship game over the weekend. Florida State wins that game over Louisville. Take us through that game quarters one through four. What do you think of the Knowles? What do you think of the cards in that big stage? Well, I mean, uh, obviously, and I'm sure we'll get to it uh, about how all the dust settles. But, uh, you know, on the offensive side of the ball, I saw pretty much the same thing that uh, members of the college football playoff committee uh, saw. Brock Glenn, third string quarterback, true freshman for Florida State. Looks like a true freshman who was third, third straight all season for a reason. They had a very challenging time moving the ball and even getting first downs. That being said, they scratched, they clawed, they got the 16 points they needed, and Florida State's defense put on one of the most dominant performances I've ever seen. I know that some people want to say, oh, it's, you know, they have. Look, I mean, Louisville was a good team. Louisville, had they not gotten beaten by the last second against Kentucky the week prior, would have come into that game number eight. And Florida State's defense rose to the occasion and held them to six points. I think that, you know, and using the term I just used, rise to the occasion. That was the 
one of the biggest like examples I've ever seen of a defense making up for the complete and total lack of complimentary football that they were getting from the other side. They were on the field the entire game, and their results – and by the way, Louisville's defense is no slouch. It was no surprise that Florida State was going to have trouble against them with a third stringer. But Louisville's offense, 30-some-odd points a game all season. And Florida State shut them down. So it was really impressive, and it's a, a bit of a shame that they weren't rewarded for it. That is where we have to turn next. Florida State maybe didn't necessarily look the part of a college football playoff contender. It looked more like a Big Ten West contender over these last couple of weeks. They did their best Iowa impression to win out and then win the, the conference championship game. But they still won, Andrew, and I think that's the most important part that the committee forgot. And you look at the line for the bowl game between Florida State and Georgia, it's like 12, 12 and a half points, something along those lines. Number one feels a little disrespectful to Florida State. And, you know, maybe Florida State does end up, you know, losing in the college football playoff if they were, you know, allowed to go there. But at the same time, they more than deserve the opportunity to either go get their butts kicked or prove that they wouldn't get their butts kicked. Austin, I couldn't have said it any better myself, man. Look, like, do I believe that Florida State, without Jordan Travis, is one of the four best teams in the country? I do not. I don't think it matters. I think they are close enough with an undefeated record in a Power 5 conference with the quarterback going down. They still managed to beat Florida, like, you know, an SEC team and Louisville, who was a top-ten team at multiple points throughout the season and proved themselves to be a dominant force in the ACC all season long. Do I think that they would lose to Michigan? In all likelihood, yes. That's what I've been kind of telling you guys. Mm-hmm. You know, at least you and Strick, Bach, nice to see you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, all over throughout the course of the season, I thought that Florida State might be a little bit of a step down. But I think Vegas going out and calling it a 12-point spread is telling, right? Because you know what else Vegas called, uh, you know, nearly a 12-point spread? Washington underdogs against Oregon. Right. Nine-point spread going into the game. Nine and a half at times when I saw some people get in. This is why we play the games on the field. Florida State not only ran the table, won almost every game that they played convincingly. Like, their defense is one of the, if not the tops in the country. You know, most of the points that they allowed this season were garbage time, you know, prevent defense because Florida State went up so quickly. <laughs> right. And, you know, it's like people out here say, oh, like they couldn't compete. They're nothing compared to Alabama. Alabama almost lost to Auburn, lost to New Mexico State the week before. Yes, there's a, probably a relatively sized gap between both Alabama and Auburn and Auburn and New Mexico State. But Auburn kept it close with New Mexico State. Or, or New Mexico State crushed Auburn. And then Auburn, I mean, you know, had <laughs> victory or defeat clutched from the jaws of victory uh, against Alabama with that crazy final play. The moral of the story is there's a reason why we play the games. The ACC had a winning record against the SEC this year, and that's a fact. LSU got pummeled. Jordan Travis got shut down by Florida State. That defense can go out there and compete with anybody. And, yes, they might lose, but they deserve the opportunity to go on that stage and lose. 
I'm glad you. I understand that. what the committee was thinking. I, I don't think that uh, they got it right. I'm glad you said the word deserved because it seems like the committee went with the four best teams in terms of talent and right. Alabama's always in that conversation. They beat Georgia, so Georgia's out of there. Instead of most deserving, right? That's why a two-loss team with maybe more talent has never snuck in. It's why it's been extremely rare for you know a team that doesn't play in the conference championship to get into the college football playoff. Because yes, the four teams that end up in the college football playoff are typically among the five or six best, but they're also usually the most deserving because they've either run the table and gone undefeated and or they've won their conference. Florida State did both. Alabama did only one of those two things. And that's where I think the committee's past rationale of, you know, saying they want the best, but taking the most deserving got flipped right around in its face in this final edition of the 14 playoff. Uh, yeah. And uh, the interesting part to me, Austin, is that they kind of like, you can go out, first of all, it has always been the four most deserving teams. We had Cincinnati in the playoff two years ago. Like, come on. They were deserving. Mm-hmm. They got it. So they, they flip it on its side. Now they're saying it's the four best teams. Well, the four best teams. How did we go from, like, Georgia being number one to then number six mm-hmm. to the one loss, right? Mm-hmm. Like, how – because if we're going to do based on best, right, like throw the Vegas lines out there. If you put Georgia in a matchup against any of the four teams that made this playoff, Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. On a neutral side, they would like to be the favorite. And that's probably true. That's probably Andrew, true. Andrew Ellis, so, 24-7 Sports, join us here. Sorry to cut you off there, Andrew. Um, I, I just want to ask you, too, though, the, like Florida State was at odds with the ACC because of revenue sharing and stuff like that coming into the season. Talk about um, jumping different conferences. I, I, I'm interested to, to hear if there's been any any like feelings of frustration with the ACC for not putting up as difficult of schedules, maybe what Florida State needed to get into the playoff. And the only reason I say that is because you can't, like, as mad as you can be at the college football playoff committee, like, you can pound your fist in as much as you want. It's like what you normally would say is we need uh, something to fix this. But the fix is already, like, built in. It's the 12-team playoff model the next year. Has, Has Florida State, have you heard any frustrations with the ACC coming out of this deal? Well, Florida State was already pretty frustrated with the ACC and uh, trying to get out. They can't get out because they are locked into a contract till 2035, and it would take a ridiculous sum of money to break that grant of rights. So, yeah, I mean, they think they were frustrated before. I think they would have gotten out if they could before, and now that feeling is just exacerbated. So it's somewhat of an unhappy uh, marriage in that regard. I mean, I've come on this show uh, many times and kind of laid out the history of where the ACC went wrong time and time again between like 2008, 2020 <laughs> to not keep up with, uh, you know, the SEC and the big 10 and, and they're kind of behind the eight ball in that regard. But uh, yeah, I mean, Florida state is certainly not happy 
I think that, uh, you know, the problem is the problem primarily is right with the bad deal that the ACC has in terms of, you know, revenue splits and stuff like that. Like Florida state still has the donor base. They're still going to have all their internal corporate sponsors and NIL programs and stuff that will allow them to remain competitive at the top of the line. You know, where that misses is for teams like Boston College, like <laughs> Wake Forest, Syracuse, teams that that extra X amount of million dollars per year would actually make a market difference in the product that they have on the field. So, as I've said before, the ACC is really stuck between a rock and a hard place, and I'm pretty wrapped up in this. So if something was going on, I'd probably know. But as far as I know, there is no active, actionable solution on the table to make things better, and uh, at least not anytime soon. Andrew, let's turn our attention elsewhere in the conference. Let's go to Durham first. The Blue Devils recently announced the hiring of Manny Diaz as head coach. Of course, Manny Diaz has been a head coach in the ACC before. From the outside, the perception of Manny Diaz's tenure at Miami is that it was, it was terrible. It was a huge step backwards. Not a good coach. Miami underperformed. Manny Diaz did go eight and two in the COVID year. Um, you know, six and six, seven and five. You know, the other two years. That's not great, but was Manny Diaz's time at Miami as bad as the perception, or is this an okay hire for a Duke team that doesn't have to worry about the same expectations that Miami has in football? Uh, yeah, I mean, so like overall, looking at Manny Diaz at Miami, right? Like first of all, you know, they, they gave him three seasons. He found himself bowl eligible in all three. Uh, I think that a quick look at Mario Cristobal's tenure, who is obviously a much higher coveted coach coming in, uh, certainly a much more accomplished head coach coming in, and lastly, a, a much higher paid coach uh, just across the board, given better resources and, and what has Miami been able to accomplish, uh, roughly the same thing that they were getting with Manny Diaz. The, the issue is that Miami, I'll never blame on one individual because, you know, it's like if you were to hire someone for a job you know, 10 times in a row and all of them had good backgrounds coming in. And every time that person comes in, they fail. That would lead you to believe that there's something institutionally wrong with the job itself mm -hmm. that prevents success from being an easy thing. I think Miami's got cultural issues down there that uh, no one man can fix. Maybe Mario Cristobal will be the guy to do it. I think they'll give him plenty of more time to do it. But my uh, overall judgment on Manny Diaz is still that he knows football. He's recruited the area, both, you know, the northernmost area for Penn State and then the southernmore area for Miami. Duke is a unique program uh, insofar as not much of a football tradition, high academic standards. Now you get to play around with transfer portal a little bit because they do have some money uh, floating in that regard. And I think Manny Diaz will do a good job. I think he's a good face for the program. Wouldn't have been my first choice. My first choice would have been uh, Willie Fritz of Tulane. I felt the similarities between the schools. Mm -hmm. uh, Tulane, Duke, private, academic, maybe a lower priority of football, just kind of won everywhere he's gone. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, he chose to go with Houston. So was Manny Diaz a little bit about a left field? I, I would say so, but I, I would give him as – Good, if not better, of a shot to succeed at Duke than I would give anyone else. The yeah. average candidate, at least. 
Andrew, uh, plenty of bowl matchups to get to. Maybe we'll get your thoughts on some more in weeks to come. But since you brought up Tulane, and we know you're a Hokies guy, what do you think about your Hokies drawing the the mean green wave in the military bowl? (laughs) That's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. So to put it in perspective here, Hokie Nation is being a little bit spoiled right now. Uh, The whole Florida State getting left out of the ACC championship thing, the ACC clearly was not anticipating that. And they had to reshuffle all their bowl assignments. So all the news came out like two to three hours later than it was expected to. So we would know the opponent in the bowl, but not a team. What we learned was that West Virginia was playing in Charlotte during that layover period. Mm-hmm. And that Virginia Tech was theoretically, I believe, like had Florida State won and had Georgia beaten Alabama. Somehow it shuffles out to Virginia Tech playing in that bowl game, and people were saying, oh, it's still on the table, what have you. So people got a little bit bummed that we didn't get the chance to have a rivalry game uh, you know, at the neutral site NFL stadium. I'm sure it would have been an awesome, awesome experience. But overall, uh, you know, granted the team started one and three. You know, I went on uh, this 247 Sports Podcast at Virginia Tech called Inside the Tunnel, if anyone randomly has some keen interest there, and said, if this team makes a bowl game, I'll go. The road to the military bowl starts now. Uh, and they made it. So as far as potential military bowl matchups are, I mean, you get the best group of five team over the course of the last two seasons. You can make a pretty strong argument that they were the best group of five team this season. And they just lost to SMU in the end. Uh, I, I would certainly take them over Liberty, who was going to get absolutely pummeled mm-hmm. by Oregon. Uh, but the problem is that with Willie Fritz leaving, you are going to have some two-lane players probably entering the transfer portal, the top-end players, the skill players. So I don't know if we're going to get real Tulane. I would have loved a matchup against like full strength Tulane to give you an idea of, uh, you know, is Virginia Tech in this roller coaster season, do they finish the year better than the, the top tier group of five team that won the Cotton Bowl last year? I would have liked to see that either way. Now that they're a little bit decrepit in that regard, I'm just hoping for a win. Uh, you know, it should be a good experience. As you Nebraska folks know, you know, you can have all that bowl history and you're going year over year over year and you stop and then you miss it. So I'm just excited to have Virginia Tech back in a bowl game. I will be attending and uh, hopefully the uh, Hokies can take down the green wave. We'll root for that for your sake as well. Andrew, Alex with us on our Allo VIP line. As always, Andrew, really appreciate the time. We'll catch up, chat some hoops and uh, maybe some more ACC bowls in the near future. Of course. Thank you for having me on. As always, gentlemen, I'll talk to you soon. Once again, Andrew Alex with us on our VIP line brought to you by Aloe Fiber, where they understand the importance of exceptional service with local heart. Let's throw it to break. Bring in the Husker Hall of Famer, Jay Foreman, waiting next door. We'll cross it over, get you all set up for old school on the other side. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. 
And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.